Good day to our listeners. This is Martha Marapiz with Wiley Ryan, and you are tuning in to our podcast today. I am absolutely delighted to have with me today Stephanie Batchelor. Stephanie is Vice President of the Industrial and Environmental Section of the Biotechnology Innovation Organization, or BIO. BIO is a proactive voice of science and for science that is driving the growth of the bioeconomy. As Vice President of the Industrial and Environmental Section, Stephanie provides strategic support to leaders in the production of biofuels, renewable chemicals, bio-based products, foods, and biomanufacturing processes. Welcome, Stephanie. I'd like to start out our discussion today by letting our listeners in on BIO's world approach to the bioeconomy. This is something that we've talked about. But Stephanie, can you explain to our listeners what is the bioeconomy and what can you tell us about how bio is engaging? The million dollar question, Martha. So the bioeconomy, as we call it, is this collection of companies and researchers and industries that are using science and biotechnology to improve public health, to enhance supply chains, and to bring sustainable products to consumers. So in short, it's an economy driven by biotech innovation. And these you know, biotech products within that innovation range from sustainable fuels to bioplastics and other biomaterials to alternative proteins and crops that have been genetically engineered to be more resilient and climate friendly. The bioeconomy also includes, of course, the many health companies that are working to develop a COVID-19 vaccine and cures for other diseases. Let's pick up on the sustainability component of the bioeconomy for a moment. The description of the term sustainability that I like the best is being able to meet our needs today without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. How do you see specifically the industrial biotechnology making this concept a reality now and in the future? Well, listen, yeah, I, I feel Everything we do these days, you can't avoid the COVID pandemic. And that has just been such an eye-opener that status quo in our manufacturing processes is not good enough. We have to be more sustainable. So we've seen the devastation of this virus, but we've also witnessed the fortitude of technologies rising to help to create a better tomorrow. So some really nice examples of that from some of our industrial biotech companies, companies like Poet and Amorous, for example, they usually produce sustainable fuels and renewable chemicals, but they've been able to pivot their operations to produce hand sanitizer thanks to biotechnology. Companies like Novozymes using their enzymatic platform to develop disinfectants and cleaners for medical equipment, for example, or Synbio companies, including Ginkgo Bioworks, Twist Biosciences, and Zymergen who are using their tech platforms to manufacture synthetic DNA to use in test kits and vaccine development. So we're seeing how investment in the bioeconomy broadly can propel more sustainable breakthroughs. You know, I think even before the pandemic, bio has been a leading voice on the role of biotech in building a more resilient world. But that's just so much more important now as we as we rebuild following COVID-19. I think, you know, we talked about a little about sustainable fuels made from crops or carbon emissions. Well, those those reduce emissions. And in the state of companies like 
lawns attack, they can actually capture carbon from the atmosphere and turn it into usable fuel. In agriculture, biotech is being used to enhance crops to capture and store carbon. And then that sequestered carbon can be used in the production of more fuels or renewable chemicals for things like bioplastics. So, you know, we are seeing, I think, everywhere in our lives, consumers are asking for products that are naturally sourced and sustainable. And those needs have only intensified coming out of this pandemic. People want to know what's in them, what's on them, what's around them, and that those products are being made in a sustainable way. And we just feel so strongly that biotechnology can help companies to meet that demand because the bioeconomy is working to close that loop on the circular economy. We're limiting waste and achieving carbon neutrality. And in some cases, we're carbon negative. So I think sustainability is very uh, central to the core of our companies. And you know, it's all happening at warp speed. I mean, not just the incredible um, advances in the vaccine technology that BioMembers are contributing to, but as you said, um, test kits and other aspects of combating COVID-19, but also looking beyond that, the members are on the forefront of addressing the challenges of the future, like climate change and carbon capture, as you mentioned, exactly. And it does seem all to be happening at warp speed, huh, sometimes? <laughs> With all of this potential, what do you see as the greatest potential barriers right now that could slow uh, the delivery of these important bio-based products? Oh, I'm going to go with lack of funding for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Followed by the daily double of burdensome regulation. Oh, um, goodness. No, in seriousness, uh, lack of funding, sufficient and mandatory funding for key programs that already exist, like BioPreferred, for example, through the US, um, USDA, and future programs are just a crucial step to expand the availability of these products. And <sighs> burdensome regulation, it's also a concern. In some cases, we need more guidance on how new technologies are going to be treated by regulators. You know, recently we, we saw a win for synthetic biology with the passage of the National Defense Authorization Act. That included language from a much needed sustainable chemistry bill that was introduced earlier this year. So, you know, Synbio companies, some of which we mentioned are in the trenches developing COVID vaccines. They can use their platforms to create solutions for the climate as well, like bioplastics and drive sustainability. And I also think Consumer perception, it's a really big barrier. Uh, we've seen that in the last few years, especially around just new technologies in general. We must get people to better understand the benefits of bio-based products and the increase in jobs that are going to be brought throughout the country, whether they be in urban clusters or rural America. Going fossil-free does not mean that we're going to lose jobs. We're actually going to gain jobs, and we're going to diversify where those jobs are located. For example, several of Bio's sustainable fuel companies are developing fuels that can drop into existing operations and bio-based manufacturing mm -hmm. that, again, it's bringing new job opportunities to rural America where crops are actually grown versus some of the more urban centers on the coasts. Yeah, so the message is that federal investment in these technologies creates jobs, and that's what people need to keep in mind. Is that essentially what you're saying? 
Yeah, well, I'm sure our companies would say all kinds of investment, Martha. Federal investment, True. private investment, ESG investors. That's a whole. Uh, that's a mm -hmm. whole different uh, topic. But yes, investment in general. You know, new technology and the development of it is is expensive, and without stable policy support and indicators from you know the federal government, you have a really hard, challenging time to get there. Mm -hmm. um, one uh, key development in the past year has been the Department of Defense uh, Manufacturing Innovation Institute uh, for Biomanufacturing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, so the, the DODMII, I think, is huge program um, that a lot of our companies should be. 80 million in federal funding? That's so I think roughly 87 million, give or take, um, is being brought to bear by the Department of Defense over a five-year time. But there's also matching funds, I believe, to the tune of about $100 million from the private sector. Uh, to help um, with with basically this program. So it's gonna take place over five years. Um, EBRC uh, is working on that along with Minnesota and we can certainly get you guys some more information. We have a number of companies who are participating. The first couple of years of that project is, is really gonna be identifying a roadmap for biomanufacturing, identifying you know where the challenges are to technical capacity, to scale up, and then identifying technologies that can fill those gaps and make sure that we can make this a reality. So um, that's gonna be a, a really exciting place to drive innovation. Okay, well now let's talk about what we're getting right with biotech. We talked about funding and you know regulatory barriers and the need to address those, but what are, some trends that make you optimistic? Well, you know, as unfortunate as the coronavirus pandemic has been, it has shined a light on the great work that companies in the bioeconomy are doing. I think we are turning a tide in the industry. Consumers are, are really becoming aware of the potential of biotech as a result of this. We have to continue so that the public can understand and make that link with the environmental benefit as well. You know, we talked a little bit about consumers' desires to buy green getting stronger, and that's a great thing about the bioeconomy. Consumer product companies are seeking out these solutions to meet sustainable demands, and our companies have those solutions. So that's, I think, a really exciting trend. As that demand increases, investment, as we've talked about, which is so crucial, investment in bio-based manufacturing and industrial biotechnology will increase also, which is critical. So we have to have the investment, as I said, through government, through private sectors, in order to keep fueling these breakthroughs, which we have seen, again, through this pandemic, what can happen when overly burdensome regulation is you know taken out of the picture and you just let technologies thrive and that's that's a really exciting thing to see i agree picking up on your comment about fuel when it comes to our renewable resources can bio-based energy help sustain our energy independence that we have right now and in your opinion what's it going to take to make that happen so the first part of your question, absolutely 100%. Sustainable fuels can decarbonize all modes of transportation from air to land to sea. 
Companies uh, like BioMembers, Jivo, Lanza Tech, and Poet are turning crops, waste, and gases from manufacturing into sustainable fuels. Historically, this sector has relied on the renewable fuel standard to date. That's been the bedrock policy, but better policy is needed to incentivize the production and the use of low carbon fuels. We have to build off the success of the RFS moving forward. So bills like the Sustainable Aviation Fuels Act can help. This was recently reintroduced in Congress and will help advance the sector by authorizing 1 billion in federal funding for the development and production of low carbon aviation fuels. That bill also authorizes 175 million in research funding, which will push the limits of existing SAF technology and also require the EPA to establish an aviation only low carbon fuel standard that's similar to California's. So we've seen California's low carbon fuel standard make tremendous progress in reducing greenhouse gas emissions and driving investment in renewable energy. But a national low carbon fuel standard that's technology and feedstock neutral can do more to truly decarbonize transportation and drive robust investment in some of these newer, greener, sustainable fuels. It's exciting that all of that is happening, and I just think it's important as we go on a path, which seems like we're heading, uh, uh, to leverage our renewable resources to understand that, you know, beyond wind and solar, there are the, the industrial biofuels technologies of biomembers where they're using renewable resources to make fuels and that that's, you know, an important part of the mix. It has been and will continue to be. Do you agree? Well, you no, know, I 100% agree. And I think that we also need to make this tie in with the air in which we breathe and it being cleaner through the use of more sustainable fuels. We had the Harvard study that came out some months ago that was looking at particulate matter in the atmosphere, air pollution in your lungs, greater higher susceptibility to things like COVID and greater damage to your body as a result of that. So, you know, we need to be able to do better and biofuels are offering that solution. We have to be able to take. Great. Well, a discussion of how biotech is solving the world's problems uh, would not be complete without showcasing the technology that some of BIO's industrial section members are developing in the area of bioplastics. Plastics in the ocean has been on the uh, forefront of people's minds as well. Tell us what BIO members are doing in that area. Well, renewable chemical companies like Danimer Scientific, for example, are creating bioplastics that are renewable and biodegradable. That company recently partnered with Bacardi to use their renewable chemicals to make a bioplastic bottle. They are also developing bioplastics for straws and other plastic goods that tend to contribute the most to plastic pollution. These bioplastics are you know, replacing traditional plastics and will eliminate that plastic pollution while driving down emissions. And they're using PHAs, which are also marine degradable. I think I love to use the Genomatica example. They've partnered with a company called Novo. And, you know, basically, if you think of your Tide Pod, but translate that into your shampoo, you can actually place that, you know, underwater, the outer shell dissolves and you're just left with the shampoo, which of course you are then using as a single use item and it's no waste. 
And so these are the kinds of just, I think, beautiful uh, technology innovations that are really uh, the future. It's exciting to see that. You know, it was surprising to me recently in the, when um, in a trivia question about what is the most significant form of pollution in the oceans, that the answer was cigarette butts. I mean, here in the United States, it doesn't, you know, it seems like smoking is on the decline, right? Um, but worldwide, um, that's an issue. And, you know, that also perhaps is a material that, in addition to probably promoting people to stop smoking for health-related reasons that are obvious, you know, perhaps bioplastics have a role in reducing that form of pollution as well. But that was really surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, biotechnology is incredible, right? Technologies in general, it's, you know, you, you see an unmet need and technology rises to fill the gap, right? Like we're, we have enzymatic technologies that, you know, are, are creating bugs that can actually eat the plastic. Right, so like just mounds and mounds of plastic. I mean, what is to come in the future? I think, you know, if cigarette butts is, is the challenge. I've also heard fishing nets, you know, uh, and, and we'll have to meet that need too. Yeah, that would be a great one. We've all seen those photos as well. <laughs> Stephanie, um, I would like to, you know, close this interview by circling back to your organization, BIO. Um, Bio recently brought in Dr. Michelle McMurray-Heath as president and CEO, and I know together you're working on some important bio pillars uh, as well as an important bioequality agenda. What messages do you and Bio want to leave us in these important areas today? The success of the bioeconomy has to be measured by our ability to not only establish resilience, but our ability to improve equity for all. You know, that's something that Dr. Michelle is very passionate about and, and that's something that we share with her. And this includes improving access to nutritious food, especially in food deserts. This includes cleaning up our air, which we know disproportionately affects communities of color. This includes bringing jobs to every corner of the country. And the success of that bioeconomy is going to be contingent on the diversity of the researchers, producers, and scientists who are working on the breakthroughs of tomorrow. So through our bioequality agenda, we are seeking at Bio to promote health equity, to invest in the current and the next generation of scientists, and to expand opportunities for women and other underrepresented populations. So recently, we announced the organization's new strategic pillars to which championing broad access to biotech breakthroughs and scientific equality is now central to BIO's mission, along with uniting and empowering biotech innovators and their ecosystem to improve lives, being a voice of science and for science, removing barriers to innovation, and of course, near and dear to my heart, catalyzing resilient and sustainable bio-based economies. So it's it's a new day at, at Bio and, and lots more to come. It just it sounds it and it sounds exciting, Stephanie. So I want to thank you for joining us today and for everything that you and Bio are doing to make our world a better, safer, and more equitable place. Thanks so much, Martha. It's great to be with you.